it's both kind of based off of comments or things people requested. So um, someone had asked that we talk about crate training and like the steps to take on how to properly crate train a dog. And then we were also going to revisit the topic of a little bit of what we touched on last week where, uh, but coming at it from the perspective of kind of the societal pressure that exists on how people expect your dog to behave or be like when you're out in public with them or things like that and how owning a dog who doesn't perfectly fit that mold of like the perfect tolerant dog it can be either embarrassing at times it can be like hard to assert yourself or different things like that mm-hmm. um do we want to start with just the crate training since that was pretty easier yeah one to go with um do you guys think that there's uh, do you pretty much approach crate training the same no matter the dog, the issues, the age, or do you have different techniques that you use? Okay, I'm sorry, what was it? Was um, so we're talking about crate training, yes. and Michelle asked, do we approach crate training the same with breed, size, age, etc.? Um, yes. Like when you're instructing a client on how to utilize the crate, or how would I be conditioned to be able to be tolerant of the crate? I mean, I think there's... I think with a puppy obviously being younger, it's introducing that to them the first time. I think it goes a little bit smoother. I think in terms of like the order in which I teach dogs, I do it the same. Sometimes it just takes longer at certain periods of that teaching point for the dogs. But you know, with a dog who's a rescue or they used to crate train and then they stopped crate training so then they try to go back to it, they're like fighting a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Obviously that takes a little bit more of like convincing and kind of working through that because they've had that opportunity to kind of fight back a little bit and whether the owners just get sick of trying to fight them every time or the dog gets redirected and they start like mm-hmm. making the owners nervous then I feel like it, it goes to those like small little wins for the dog, you know, where it's like, okay, this is all I have to do to fight them from trying to get me in, and then I don't go in. So like, that's a win for me. Whereas like with a puppy, it's like, you're doing it for the first time, you can be a little bit more like convincing with it, I think. But especially bigger dogs, obviously, you know, there is that more of a fight, you know, but. And getting them in and out of the crate. And yeah. Conditioning them to get in and out smoothly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it, like you gotta be patient with small, you know, even like a small dog where you could probably just like toss them in. You know what I mean? Like you don't obviously that's not going to be a beneficial, yeah, you know, routine for them. So yeah, I think in terms of like teaching it size, age, whatever temperament, I think it's all the same for me mm-hmm. in terms of it. Obviously, with like a bigger dog, though, you might have to put a little bit more resistance into it as opposed to the same resistance of like a small dog but yeah yeah. I think crate training is something a lot of people realize like they'll do it and then the dog will not like it and they're like well my dog didn't like it so I don't have to do crate training anymore Mm -hmm. or crate training is not supposed to be 100% easy all the time you're going to go through a phase especially with like pipsqueak my puppy where there's a lot of screaming in the crate. Mm-hmm. And that can be the difficult part. It's like sleep training a baby and getting a dog conditioned to be in a crate and have cool, calm energy in there. So it can be a process. So when I'm teaching clients to do that, um, I let them know that 
there are times where it might be a little bit of a struggle. Um, I make sure the dog that we're just talking about can get in and out of the crate smoothly. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll add a command in with getting them a crate or a kennel and then getting them equipped to being comfortable in the crate for extended periods of time. Yeah. I think initially it's like a big piece of the puzzle is like the association around mm-hmm. being like in the crate and what your ultimate goal is for using the crate and making sure that like um, to me it's it's mainly just a management tool mm-hmm. that, and I think that's strictly what it should be um, some people use it for like time outs mm-hmm. when the dog's in trouble or um, things like that when in reality the crate just needs to be a place that is safe for your puppy that you can put them or your dog and that's going to help you manage their behaviors like overall and I think the biggest thing that makes crate training easily go south is again not prioritizing like the overall association with the crate being like calm like a calm place so um, and some dogs are going to be more receptive to that than others and Mm -hmm. sometimes it'll take a little bit more work but like with puppies I'd say like if you're going to start with a puppy with crate training like Snoop for instance the best thing you can do is like literally the first day you get your puppy they are you're working on crate training immediately so like I I literally drove home from New York with my chihuahua puppy and as soon as I got home the first drills I did with him because he slept the whole way home he was ready to go with just crate training drills Mm -hmm getting him comfortable going in and out, in and out, in and out. And I did use food for that initially because it's pretty food motivated. Mm-hmm. And I didn't ever close the door on him when I was practicing those things. It was just getting him comfortable going in and out. Mm-hmm. Uh, he even took a little nap. I had his crate inside his like little pen that I had for him while I was supervising. And after he ate a little bit, played, whatever, he even went in the crate on his own and just kind of like took a little nap in there, which was great. Um, and then I did some drills closing the door and doing short periods, like five minute periods for the rest of that day, getting him used to that. And then overnight, he just was in there. Yeah. If you whined, if you barked every once in a while, I think he did maybe for like five minutes, he whined a little bit and barked and all that kind of stuff. And I just ignored him knowing that he had gone to the bathroom. He didn't have to go to the bathroom. There was nothing in the crate that he could have peed or pooped on that, you know, would have made it easy for him to do that. There was no toys in there. There was no food. There was no water, you know, anything like that. It was strictly just like, we're in here to relax and go to sleep and just do your own thing. And then set alarms, you know, to take him out and stuff. But I think that you need to incorporate a crate into your routine immediately yes. or else then it's going to be much more difficult. Yeah. yeah. If you bring your puppy home and you're like, oh, well, I'm just going to sleep with them on the couch for the first week mm-hmm. and get up so I can take them outside and do all this kind of stuff, um, it's going to be disastrous <laughs> if yeah. you try to then go to a crate. And then people will stop because they're like, it's not working, the dog doesn't like it. And mm-hmm. it's like, you have to build that association like you mentioned. Yeah. And like, when I, as I'm lurking through TikTok comments or um, other trainers or our own page, one thing I'm always seeing is like, why would you create your dog that's evil, that's mean? Yeah. And people just have this like association that creating your dog is wrong. And maybe right. that's another societal pressure, yeah. honestly. Maybe yeah. these two things do mix yeah. together a little bit. It's 
is honestly the safest place for your dog to be. Yeah. Isn't that right? Oh, 100%. Um, all of my dogs get crated still when I leave my house. Mm-hmm. And they're like the two yeah. oldest are nine and ten. Yeah. My oldest dog right. before he passed away was almost 15 and he was still being crated mm-hmm. when I left. Like, I feel more secure knowing that my dogs are crated when I'm gone. Yeah. Because I don't have to think about, like, what if today they did this or this or that. Dogs are unpredictable sometimes, you know? You don't know what they're going to do. Uh, my biggest thing, especially with, especially with, like, puppies or younger dogs or new dogs that are coming into the household, is when they're getting into stuff when you're leaving, right? Mm-hmm. People always say, you know, I try and create him when I leave, but he freaks out and he barks and he does all this stuff. So like, I just stopped creating him, but then he's tearing into stuff. He's getting into the trash. And and my biggest fear with what I tell clients is you, especially getting in the trash or something, you don't know what he's consumed, what he or she oh, yeah. like, has consumed or anything. And you know, that's much scarier than me just having this guilt of like, oh, well, my dog's in the crate for five, eight hours, whatever, like while I'm at work. So it's something where, you know, I just, the pros and the cons just don't. Oh yeah, for sure. And you're setting up the dog. So like Snoop, he's two at this point and literally never, ever, ever had or was given the opportunity to be a dog who got into things Right. because he was created where I was heavily watching him. Mm -hmm. And so he just, does it mm-hmm. <laughs> at this point the possibility yeah he just does it you know what I mean so like I think that that's a huge piece of it too is that you're allowing your dog to explore and rehearse these behaviors that you don't want them to be able to and you can't put a stop to it because you're not there mm-hmm. and you're not removing the option and so then you're just setting them up to be the dog for the rest of their life that they're like I know in the back of my head that is something I never done it and they never had the option most likely it doesn't even run through Snoop's head mm-hmm. to be like oh maybe I could go like snoop around in that right. pun not intended snoop around in that closet and see what I can find you know what I mean just like yeah. stuff like that and again it comes to those things where it's like these it, these little wins that the dogs that we're allowing these dogs to have you know if you yeah. let them go and sneak around yeah. they find out oh this this trash can smells good Mm-hmm. And same with like the crates. It's just like if well, if you're gonna let them sleep in your bed for the first week or two, and then you try to do it, it's like no, they they've gotten used to that, right? Mm-hmm. And then they bark and they cry and whatever, and, and you feel bad, so you let them out. Again, mm-hmm. it's just that association of like, well, that's all I have to do. Perfect. Yeah. I'm just gonna do that every single time. Yep. People will view the crate like I just spoke to somebody like a friend of a friend about dog training, and they're like, the dog will not leave me alone. Like when I'm watching TV at night constantly barking, biting, and I was like, why don't you create the dog? Just like, isn't that a punishment to create your dog? Yeah. And people will view the crate as a punishment tool, and it's not. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't. It should not. Be. No, it's not. And that's, that's, if you are using it as a punishment, that is what's going to create the association mm-hmm. to where your dog doesn't want to be there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You're like screaming at them, you're like, get in your crate, sloppy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Slam the door behind them. Use it when your dog is getting into something because you're not taking the time to supervise them, mm-hmm. and then you're getting mad at them for being a dog. The crate is meant to be proactive. 
active. Yeah. Not reactive. Mm-hmm. We're not waiting till the dog does something wrong and then grabbing them and putting them in the crate and being like, bad dog. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> they should have been in the crate beforehand. Yeah. They shouldn't have even had the opportunity to do that. Um, and then and as far as like the actual steps of like teaching crate training, I think we've um, now discuss like why it's important and associations you want to create around it. I think the biggest step that people skip is the dog being able to be in there with the door open mm-hmm. yeah. and not coming out without permission. Mm-hmm. That to me is the step that will make or break how successful your crate training is because a big piece, and especially if you're dealing with a dog who has separation anxiety or things like that, um, as soon as you add a physical block to get to you, if the dog is not mentally prepared to be isolated, then when you physically isolate them, panic. Mm. Panic is going to ensue. Nobody wants to see that. No. So it's like if you run drills where you're teaching your dog that they have to stay in the crate even with the door open um, and teaching it almost more of like a bed command or like a place command, whereas teaching more mental impulse control than like put them in and quick close the door so that they can't get out. Um, you're going to have a lot more success because the dog is mentally learning how to separate mm-hmm. and be isolated. Not have to be with you all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People also miss creating when you're home. Like yeah. only use the crate when you go out yeah. or when you're not present. And mm-hmm. the biggest step is you have to create your dog when you're home for a couple hours. Yes. yes. Yeah. Especially a puppy. Mm-hmm. And like you spoke about with Snoop. I don't know if Snoop ever went through the phase, but Pip's week did where there's a lot of screaming and vocalization in the mm-hmm. crate. And it was quite hard. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I just, there are times where I was like, I want this to stop, so I want to let her out. Yeah. But if she's screaming and crying and getting warmed up, she's realizing that's my ticket to get out. Of the crate. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. Snoop did that one time. Mm-hmm. So he was honestly a very easy he's been a really all things considered a very easy dog to train um i don't know if maybe i'm just really good at it or if he's just a really easy dog i think he's just a really easy dog but he he did scream in the crate and had like a full meltdown one time and it was because there was a lot happening there was a lot of excitement my other dogs all three of my other dogs were like running to the door to go outside i think i was having somebody that was coming over like it was just a lot going on and he's in there he's just like he's just screaming and he even launched forward and he bit the front of the door and he's just in a wire and i will be perfectly honest i kicked it he launched forward he bit the door i kicked the door and he went back and he just sat in the corner like this, and then I came. I came back like 30 seconds later, and he was dead asleep, mm-hmm. just dead asleep in the back of the kennel. And ever ever since then, he was like, "Well, that obviously is not acceptable. <laughs> I can't do that." And I'm not saying that everyone should kick their dog's kennel if they're having a meltdown, but in that moment, I was like, "What is yeah. going on? Like, this is not insane." Just that crash. Well, because it's where someone's having a panic attack and they just like slap them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's obviously comedic and it's yeah. hyperbole and all this kind of stuff, but it's like it's it's when they're slapping them, it's not with the 
the intention of like harming them. They're not angry. They just are like snap out of it. Yeah. Like you're, what is going on? Focus on what's actually happening. Exactly. And that's kind of what that was for Snoop. Like I didn't kick him or anything like that, but it was just like, I hit the front of the kennel with my foot and he was just like, what? Mm-hmm. You know, it just like popped him out of this weird cycle that yeah. he was in of just panic. Kind of interrupt the cycle of that, yeah. that panic. Yeah. It's like a bonking, mm-hmm. but yeah. just for, for the kennel. Yeah. And I've had some clients that I've had do that with their puppies who are have weird, weird panic moments mm-hmm. in the kennel, and it works amazingly. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just interrupts it. It says like, excuse me, <laughs> like let's just calm down for a second. I think, uh, especially with the puppies too, I think people have this idea that like puppies are go, 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 go all like 24 seven stuff. They nap mm-hmm. so much. Like, I think they, spend, they sleep like 20 hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. So it's something that it's just like, like you were saying, like, I think it's super, super important to create at home, like when you're home as well. And it's something where it's like, well, aren't they going to be stressed out? Aren't they going to be panicky and stuff like that? It's like, mm-hmm. maybe for like a little bit, you know, when you're first trying to teach them, it's new or whatever, they're starting to get used to it, but they're, they're going to, they're going to relax mm-hmm. and they're going to pass out. It's, it's exhausting to be stressed. Oh like, yeah. Like it's, it's going to be something that it's again, kind of like, like teaching a baby to sleep and stuff by itself. You know, it's just something where it's like, sometimes you got to let them just cry it out, you know, and just let them kind of like realize, okay, this is, it's, you're not gonna die. You're totally fine. You're safe. You know, just calm down. Take a deep breath. Relax. Take a nap if you want to. You know, mm-hmm. and then when you wake up, I'll let you out. You know, that'll, that'll be it. <laughs> you know, so it's, I think that's something else. And and then with people leaving too, you know, they always want to crate their dog only when they leave. And again, I think that associates something with like that separation anxiety as well, where it's like kind of what you're seeing, like similar. I think with like there's a reaction to it, you know, it's, yeah. it's, I'm putting you there because I'm leaving. Exactly. Because I know you're going to freak out and everything and I'm leaving and you're going to be stuck in that, right? Yeah, it's, it's like, it's, like you're classically conditioning. Yes. Mm-hmm. Going in the crate means we're gone. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then the dog is going to have a meltdown because right. of that. And it's something where it's like, if you are using e-collars and stuff like that, obviously you're not correcting. You're not going to be correct, able to correct it. Mm-hmm. You put them in the crate when they're there, you're able to correct for all that stuff. Yeah, I mean? yeah. If you're dealing with like an older dog yeah. at the age mm-hmm. that is working on an e-collar, you certainly can correct for like, I would say like physical things in the crate. Yeah. So like biting, clawing, mm-hmm. stuff like that that is very like, easy to pinpoint. Right. You know? And the reason I get on, on that stuff is because it's, it's potentially harmful for them. That's, that's the only time they're going to hurt themselves. They get their like paw stuck in the metal or if they like, yeah. some dogs I know have like chewed the metal bars off and stuff yeah. like that. It's like, you can't, you can't let that happen. You know what I mean? So it's like, be there for them. Teach them that, hey, just don't do that. I don't care yeah. if you bark. I don't care if you whine, whatever. We mm-hmm. can get through that. We can work on that. But if you're actually potentially physically harming yourself, I have to step in and correct for that. Oh yeah, for sure. And again, even in those cases, like, yes, you can directly address those behaviors and correct for them. But then I would also like look at the whole picture of a whole of like, how is this person utilizing the crate? What training have they actually done? Right. You know, like what things do we need to like, maybe take a few steps back on and do a few other drills kind of leading up to that stuff. That's very true. Um, because the whole process may have been one of those, like open the door, shut the dog in, close the door yeah. <laughs> type of thing. 
Um, and utilizing a crate that's going to be safe for your dog is important. Some dogs um, do fine in wire crates. I'd say that's pretty few and far between though. Yes. Some dogs yeah. are going to benefit way more from like a more enclosed mm -hmm. crate where they don't see as much all the time. Because mm -hmm. um, like with a wire crate, you could put something over top of it to enclose it a bit. But again, you have to know whether your dog is the type that would pull that through, chew it up, potentially strangle themselves, like all those mm -hmm. scary things. Um, so getting like more of like an airline style crate or like a Roughland or yeah. even an impact if you needed something that heavy duty, but making sure that you're taking the steps to like safely putting your dog in the crate too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Potty training and crate training like go hand in mm -hmm. hand and like mm -hmm. I would say it's extremely difficult to potty train without crate training. I would say it's impossible. Yeah. I would even go as far as to say it's impossible. Yeah. Well, I, Unless you are home. 100% of the time for the first 8 to 10 months of a dog's life, I don't think you could potty train without a crate. And it, you deserve a break from your dog. It's not yes. supposed to be you're with your dog 24-7 and you're not mean or nasty for creating your dog. You're setting yourself up for success. So when you do create them, you're working from home, you have friends over, you mm -hmm. have the ability to separate yourself from your dog. Yeah. There are times when I get home for maybe running errands, grocery store, or whatever. And I just won't let my dogs out for like an hour. I, yeah, I, I said that in a TikTok I, comment one time and people explode. Oh yeah, they like lost to that. I'm sure people would like think that's There's days on my days off where I need a mental rest and it's not all about the dogs and they have crate days. Like they're not in the crate for 10 hours or anything, no. but five hours on, we go potty, we go for a walk, they go back in their crates and that's perfectly acceptable. Yeah, not all the time. Uh, I, well, I could do it if I wanted to, but I don't do it all the time. Yeah. Well, it's like, and guess what? They're calm. My dogs don't care. Yeah. When I get home, yeah. they know that they're just in there. Like, they, they don't cause a fuss. They don't freak out. They don't bark. They don't get overexcited. Because, again, I've, 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 always, I've never created an atmosphere of my dogs being excited to see me when I get home. That would probably break a lot of people's hearts, but for me, I don't want that. Yeah. You know, I don't want you feeling like there's more value when I'm here versus when I'm not here, because that creates that need to be with you all the time. I want my dogs being calm when I come home yeah. and just not caring. Yeah. Um, and my shepherd did struggle with that for a while when he was younger. And it's funny because there's even been times where my husband, like if I go to work and I leave my shepherd home or I go somewhere and don't take him, whatever, Tom will be like, I didn't even realize he was home for like an hour yeah. because like he doesn't make a peep yeah. because he has learned so intensely that making noise is the last way he's ever going to get out of the couch. Yeah. <laughs> Cause there were times I would come home when he was young and I mean, he'd be doing like backflips and going crazy and he'd be stuck in there for two hours and I wouldn't even look at him yeah. until he finally calmed down. Yeah. And so now he's like, we don't move. <laughs> we wait and wait and we wait until he finally lets us out. There's like an idea that you have to make saying goodbye and hello to your dog, like this big production. Dogs don't do that. Yeah. yeah. They don't say goodbye and hello yeah. to each yeah. other. So people will be like, oh, baby, I'm so sorry. I'm going to put you in the crate. And like opening the door and looking at them again, you're like, oh my 
You just leave. Right. When you come home, yeah. you come home and ignore your dogs for 15 minutes yeah. to an hour or whatever you feel until they're yeah. a little bit calmer. Well, and I think going back to like how maybe this ties into the societal expectations of things is like there's this such a heavy push on like dogs needing to be like your entire personality trait. Mm-hmm. Like your dogs are the love of your life and you just want the best for them and you spend all this money on them and you do, oh, I can't go. I have to hang out with my dog. Oh, I have to leave. I have to go home to my dog. Like it's like this trendy thing to be obsessed with your dog and prioritize them over like everything else. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with loving your dogs and like wanting to spend time with them and everything. But it, it, it is becoming a problem when then in turn, when there's like normal level-headed common sense people like us that are just like okay so i create my dogs so i correct my dogs so i don't have my entire world revolve around my dogs we're like a villain yeah (laughs) somehow that's what i was gonna say too i think a lot of people they they struggle with the fact that it's like they their life kind of changes because of their dog because they have to be back because they don't create them because they're going yeah. nuts so they have to leave them out but they know they're going to get into something so it's just like a matter it's like a, such a stress where it's like why well, i have to get back and do all this stuff it's like yeah i i, I think it's i think it's something where again just creating helps a lot of those oh things. yeah and recognizing that like it's okay if your dog isn't 100% happy all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, they're going to be okay. It's like, you're not supposed to be 100% happy all the time. And it's like biologically a survival tactic that when we feel mm-hmm. upset or depressed or angry, like, we're always like, how do I fix this? And sometimes you just have to ride in mm-hmm. tough moments, and your dog does too. Like, it's impossible for any living being to be 100% happy all the time. Also, yeah. overwhelming your dog with that, like, affection and everything okay. and not normal so yeah it leads to a whole lot of other problems where they kind of lose their independence and their confidence and then they mm-hmm. are depending on that owner to oh, yeah. do everything for them when they go on walks they have to be like stuck on them or like hiding or whatever when they meet yeah. dogs you know then they resource guard their owners and it's just it's this whole thing where it's just like then they start to think that they can't survive without the owner. And that's, yeah. that is so unhealthy. Oh, they yeah. need to be by their that's, Like, intention behind it is never ill. Like, people no. aren't trying to create dogs that can't be alone. They just think they're doing right by their dog by constantly giving attention. And you're creating an emotionally unstable dog. And you're having an emotionally unhealthy relationship with your mm-hmm. dog. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, I don't think it's like, yeah. No, and I think it just stems from, again, that pressure of, like, prioritizing your dog's happiness over everything else. Yeah. And it's like, no, (laughs) I don't need to do that, and I won't do it, because it's not healthy Mm -hmm. for them or for me. I mean, you're going to get burnt out. I mean, what? no one's ever going to tell you that prioritizing, like, your partner's happiness over everything else would ever be healthy. Yeah. You know? So, like, doing that for a dog, mm-hmm. certainly not the best option at all. Yeah. Um, so, I think that, and, and so in the, the realm of, like, um, how we're interacting with our dogs and everything, I think it's important to look at things, like, very common sense mm-hmm. and level-headed rather than letting the internet, like... 
heavily influence or even society's like weird cookie cutter expectation influence like what your dog should be like how you should be with your dog what the interaction should be like what it should look like in public for them like things like that because the other part of the topic do you guys have anything else you want to add on crate training crate training your dog yeah with the topic of like the pressures of like other people like it can be really difficult to have a dog that isn't super 100% bomb proof friendly all the time um and unfortunately it can it can be really taxing because it feels really isolating and you feel like very like alone I think a lot of times because you feel like you're the only person that has this like terrible dog who just like doesn't like people or doesn't like dogs or doesn't like kids or you know whatever it might be when in reality I would say like most dogs probably don't like something mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's probably just a matter of you maybe have gotten the dog that has a lower threshold to tolerate things mm-hmm. and they're more willing to stand up for themselves and assert themselves on things that they don't like whereas maybe your friends dogs will just put up with it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And even give you all the signs they're uncomfortable other than aggression. And yeah. so very clearly they must be okay with right. it. It's so like, just, you know, compare and contrast. Like, why isn't my dog like my aunt's dog who's a golden retriever energy and can yeah. kiss everybody and say hi to people and can be the party pleaser. And then people have these dogs that they're like, I can't have strangers come up to my dog. And they're like, I hate this. Yeah. Like my dog yeah. should be able to tolerate whatever, whenever, anything that I want my dog to do. And it's just like you have to take a step back and be like, that's not the dog you have. Yeah. Whether genetically or. It's a hard pill to swallow for yeah. some people, but it's, I mean, it is what it is, you know? And do you think that people would have pro- like as much of a problem accepting that their dog is like that if there wasn't this weird over lurking like this is how dogs are supposed to be mm-hmm. like stereotype yeah. that is like pushed on us because the culture in America with our dogs is absurdly different than anywhere else in the world mm-hmm. <laughs> like the amount of time like countries that I've gone to in Europe like the way that they live with their dogs is so different Yeah, mm-hmm. dogs are more he- it's weird because it's more dog friendly like dogs are heavily included in everything and go everywhere with everyone but they're not like but they're just like they're there mm-hmm. like nobody's paying attention to them like mm-hmm. all the like restaurants I went to I was in like a five star restaurant and there was like ten dogs underneath people's tables yeah. you know what I mean like it was just like they were there yeah. and then everywhere in the streets they're off leash just yeah. walking around with their owners um, and there was a woman walking with her off-leash dog who was like 10 feet behind her just like mm-hmm. trotting along she's not even paying attention right next to the street the dog's just going nobody's even looking at it you know what I mean like just they're just there yeah they're not like a spectacle right whereas here I don't know go anywhere. The biggest, I think the biggest things that I find with like certain people that they get like kind of down on themselves is you go out take your dog out to a patio or something or whatever, Lakewood Truck Park, whatever, right? Every pro, everyone's dog has to go say hi to every other dog and do all this stuff. And 
God forbid you say, no, I'm just hanging out with my dog and yes. we're doing our own thing. Like, we don't want other dogs coming up, right? They, like, get so offended sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. And then it's it, there's nothing wrong with that, but I think that's one thing that a lot of people kind of, like, assume, like, oh, your dog just must be terrible then. Oh, yeah. If I can't even come say hi to it, or yeah, like, my dog can't come say hi to it. It's like, no, I just... Maybe, maybe he doesn't like it. Maybe I just don't want you to come over. But yeah. either way, you start a conversation. Yeah, it's like either way. No, like it's, yeah. it's okay to say that. Yeah, I think it stems from like it's like shameful to have a dog. Like, isn't nice. Yes. You know, like yeah. it's embarrassing yeah. for people to have a dog who isn't nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I definitely felt that, like with Nelson in particular, like he used to not be very nice. Mm-hmm. And I like I wanted him to be nice so bad, and I would take him to like apartment dog parties, and that was a lot of when I couldn't feel like I advocated because I was just very young, and didn't know. Mm-hmm. People would get in his face all the time, and he had multiple bite records. <laughs> <laughs> and I've since learned like Nelson's away, and Nelson is not allowed to say hi to people. Mm-hmm. And I could very much correct that, and I have. But why am I going to put him in a position where he's uncomfortable and he responds with aggression? Yeah. That's not something that I want to push him toward or force him to feel uncomfortable. And that kind of comes back to kind of what we were saying, too. It's like, in your eyes, you're thinking, I want him to be nice, so exposing him to these things is what's going to help. Where in reality, it was probably just stressing him out more because it was it was just probably the way that you were going about it, you know? Like, I'm sure if you did it when he was younger and had a better insight on it, like you do now, then it's something you could have smaller groups or just go and sit in the corner and observe, you know? Don't have to be, like, in everyone's face and all that stuff. You know, maybe it could have been different, but... Yeah, he's certainly my problem child, and I... I'm happy to admit that there was a time where I was very ignorant about dogs and I was like a teenager and the situations that I put him in, I would never dream of putting even my most friendly dog in those situations. Mm -hmm. And you're right, I wanted to expose him and I thought the more I expose him, he's going to be able to tolerate these things. And what I needed to do in the moment is just not put him in positions that he was being pushed upon. Yeah. I could still have him out in public and have him sitting and doing it down and behaving, but I needed to draw the line when people are like, oh, a little chihuahua. <laughs> Get right in his face, and that's yeah. when he responded negatively. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and um, with stuff like that, like I have a client who we worked a lot, I would say, it's probably been about a year. Maybe, yeah, probably about a year, a little bit less, maybe, that she finished her training and her dog had some reactivity, all just like nervousness and anxiety stuff towards other dogs and people occasionally. And we got to like a really, really good spot. And then she, uh, I was calling to check in and she reached, basically said that, you know, there were certain situations that it was starting to come back up again or, you know, stuff. So we met and did like a follow up. And it was kind of one of those where because things had gotten so good, we stopped doing the things that made it so good. And so then it just reverted back, you know, to kind of where we started. And a lot of it from her, I think, stemmed from through our conversation that, again, that pressure and that 
kind of embarrassment of like, I don't want to be the only person in the group that can't let my dog go say hi to everybody. Or I don't want to like, um, continually go to this coffee shop and tell this same person like, no, for the fifth time you can't pet my dog, you know, when we come in here or like stuff like that. And so it just kind of like slipped a little bit over time. Or I think something too that can happen is if you have a dog who's kind of like inconsistent or like sometimes they like people, sometimes they don't like people, we allow the dog to break the rules when they like someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we're like, oh, but they finally like and someone. They, the dog is getting to decide who they approve of versus exactly. disapprove of. Which is <laughs> exactly. my case with Nelson, which makes things so confusing. Because you're like, oh, yeah. they like this person now. I can let them say hi to everybody. Mm-hmm. And then they end up biting someone. You're like, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, because it's your dog basically like, say you tell your dog to sit because someone's approaching or whatever and you're not sure if they're going to like the person and the person gets closer and your dog is showing signs that like oh I'm actually excited to see them like I want to say hi and your dog breaks their sit and goes over and says hi and the person's petting them and everything's great that's still not okay because now we're showing our dog that you have the authority to decide if you like someone you can approach them friendly but what happens if they don't like somebody yeah Yeah. then they're going to lunch the pendulum swinging like if it swings Mm -hmm. in the positive way people are that's great and then when it swings the opposite way people are like this is awful and i hate this and now my dog's uncontrollable yeah so you have to have that balance whether your dog is interacting positively with someone or negatively with someone there's things that they cannot do and I will not tolerate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you still have to hold them accountable for whatever boundaries you're putting in place and take that responsibility back from them. Mm-hmm. Of like, you don't get to decide that you can just go approach somebody or go say hi. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of that stems from like, one, maybe your underlying desire of like, I really want my dog to be friendly. Mm-hmm. But then also that desire of like, I don't want to make this awkward for this person by correcting my dog and then calling them back over and then seeing them and then going through this whole thing. And I think some of that we just, yes, it's unfortunate that society has created a space where it's difficult and embarrassing at times to like have to do that, but like you just have to do it. Yeah. I mean, there's no other option really. I, I remember when I first got, well, when we were first like starting to train Sully and stuff, we were out somewhere and I was kind of, worried of the conflict as well you know kind of just like kind of advocating for for our training and stuff because it was like right when we first started training so he was still obviously very much a puppy and very much in that kind of positive wanting to go say hi to everyone and um someone came up and and asked like if we could if they could pet the dog and i told them no and then they they asked me like why would you even bring a dog here then if you're, and I was like, and I, it like crushed me because I was like, oh my God, like, what am I doing wrong? Like, what, yeah. like, like I, and it just like threw through the loop and made me like angry, like that they would say something like that. Yeah. And then it also like, I'm like, am I like doing something wrong by doing that? You know what yeah. I mean? So, and it was just in a public place. It wasn't even like at, at a place or anything, but, yeah. um, People and, are rude. Yeah, and I was just like, and, and now I think about it and I like, I wish I would have been like, because yeah. well, I, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, you know? Or so, even but, if you can touch every dog that you right. see, a lot of entitlement and yeah. reactive dog owners or other dogs that aren't maybe necessarily friendly deserve to enjoy a public setting without 
feeling like they have to allow you to pet their dog. Mm-hmm. Like you are not entitled to pet anybody's dog just because it's cute. Like yep. I have the power to tell you no. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I feel like it would be, I don't know. I don't know how the culture here started in that way and got like so bad <laughs> with the entitlement that we all have with other yeah. people's dogs. Yeah. Um, but it would it would remove so much difficulty if it wasn't that way. Yeah. Because it would alleviate so much weird owner guilt of like, oh man, like I own this dog that like is causing all of these problems and things like that. Well, if nobody was trying to interact with your dog nonstop every when, there wouldn't be problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, your dog would be perfectly fine. Just like learning, frankly, to not give a fuck about other people's feelings in the yes. sense, like, I don't care about a stranger's feelings. If I tell a child they cannot pet my dog, like, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm not you even can't. sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, you can't. can't pet my dog. And you can't. That was like, bad. I was at, um, a store once that I had the most like in a down when I was like picking things out. It was a pet store. And a girl came up at the end of the aisle and was like, Oh, he's so pretty, can I take a picture? And I said, Sure. And then I'm like looking at the stuff and then she like takes her picture and then she just wants to walk. Wow. She starts walking right over to him with her hands out. And I looked at her and I said, Well you can't pet him. Mm-hmm. And she just kind of like stopped her tracks and like looked real like embarrassed. And I was like, I mean, you can take a picture, but like, you didn't ask if you could touch him, so you can't touch him. And um, she was like, oh, oh, okay. And then she like backed up, and then she was like, I'll just, um, now he's looking at me weird, I'll just go. Meanwhile, his expression hasn't changed at all. You know what I mean? I was like, it's just there. Um, but yeah, so it's just stuff like that where it's like, it didn't have to be weird. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't have to be weird. Just don't and try to touch it. mean lady that makes people question like or feel so embarrassed that they were going to touch somebody's dog without permission so that they never want to do that again because they got so embarrassed I'll do that for you yeah I'll be that person I will make them feel so uncomfortable oh yeah because you should always ask mm-hmm. at least ask well, that's, and that's what's crazy is doing this for as many years and stuff like going up around the park with like the, all those kids mm-hmm. at the school and going to Edgewood and stuff Young kids and like toddlers have better manners than adults. <laughs> it's weird. Like it's it is, weird. it's insane. You know, you go to Home Depot and you get people that are just kind of like putting their hands out and petting these yeah. dogs. But then you go up to the school and there's like 50 kids and yeah, they all ask and I say no to all of them. Yeah. But at least they add. You know what I mean? Exactly. Well, didn't you have that one terrible experience in the park the other day? Yeah. The lady was like, "You can't tell my kid what dog they can and can't." Yeah. Pet. Kidding me? Yeah, yeah. So with a very not I don't want to say aggressive, but fear aggressive dog mm-hmm. that had trouble with being approached and this little snot nose <laughs> came up and was like her tongue out and she was like walking over the dog and I was like zombie no petting and her mother's like don't tell my child they can pet my dog and pet or my child can pet your dog if they want and I was like ma'am it's a safety issue I'm not going to allow your child to pet the dog and I kind of kept walking and she's carrying on and carrying on and I was like Like, do you want your child to be disfigured for the rest of their life and people could look at that and be like well why would 
would you even take your dog to the park if yeah. you can't control him? Like, I am controlling it. Yeah. I'm controlling I'm this. It's a public space. Yes. Yeah. And the dog deserves to be at a park in a public setting and enjoy that if I'm able to advocate for their Because yeah, the dog did nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're out of, if I'm out in public and somebody comes up and touches me and I don't want them to, I can literally charge them with assault. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, literally any unwanted physical interaction. Yeah. Like, you can't just walk up to a person and interact with them and touch them and do all this kind of stuff without their permission. Like, what right. makes you think that you could do that to an animal? Yeah. Like. Who, who very, <laughs> yeah. As people, you could be like, hey, that's weird, back off. Yeah. Dogs are just going to bite you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And to put your children in that position is, yeah. like, beyond me. I don't understand that. Um, but yeah, I, I think that overall, like, yes, the culture in America surrounding dogs and dog ownership, it needs a lot of adjustments, mm-hmm. a lot of things <laughs> to improve. I think that the only way they will improve, though, is if people, like you said, just stop giving a fuck about what other people think yeah. and starting to assert yourself and set the boundaries for your own dog and don't be apologetic about it. Mm-hmm. This is how it is. This is how I'm going to live my life with my dog. Um, and you can only educate people as much as you can, like along the way. Yeah. yeah. You know, like if I have an interaction with somebody and they look like offended <laughs> that I said, you can't pet my dog. I'll be like, you know, it's nice that you asked. I appreciate it. But like some dogs just don't want to be pet, man. Mm-hmm. You know, like just little things like that, that yeah. you can kind of communicate with people. Um, and it puts a whole new perspective. Like my client that, um, had to come back in for the follow-up. She even said, she's like, ever since owning this dog, I look at other people and and when I'm out in public, like I don't ask to touch other people's dogs. Like I don't put them in that weird position because I know how much I hate it. So I just, I look at things totally differently. She's like, whereas before owning a dog like this, like I was that person. I was like, puppy, dog, you know, I just wanted to see all of them. Yeah. So sometimes, yeah, that's changed for me even too. Yeah, I, yeah, I was guilty true. of that mm-hmm. as well. I was like, oh, puppy, I'm mean, a dog. I mean, you guys see me around my dogs, you know? It's like, yeah. I, I very much is like that, but it's like, but now, yeah, it's, it's very clear. It's just like, just don't do it. Yeah, just don't do it. Respect the dog as a being and that it's not mm-hmm. a toy to pass around. It's not an object for you to pet and interact with. It's not mm-hmm. an accessory. No. Right. No, not at all. Yeah. Just, oh, cool. just be confident. Yeah. Don't second guess yourself. Yeah. It's okay to tell people no. Mm-hmm. It's a good lesson overall. Yes. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a hard lesson, but yeah. it's a good lesson. Some people are better at it, better at it than others. Mm-hmm. But you know, if your dog needs that from you, then yeah. don't feel bad about doing it. And think, and that's the way I always tell people to think about it. It's like just remember that you're speaking for them. The dog can't speak, right? The dog can react. But you don't want that to happen. So speak for your dog before yeah. they have a chance before to react. Before they speak for themselves, exactly. and then you don't like the result. Yeah, yeah. Them speaking for themselves. There's, there's been value in like practicing it. Yeah. I've had clients that are like, if you, if they're very uncomfortable telling people that they like can't touch their dog, we literally practice it. <laughs> I come up and I'm like, oh my gosh, puppy, and I tell them exactly what to do. Yeah. I'm like, you step in front of your dog and you say, stop, please don't pet my dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we literally run drills with it <laughs> because the more that they verbalize that and the more that that becomes routine and like 
second nature to them, the more likely they're going to be confident doing it in like a real life scenario. So, and it is crazy. It was just like, just, yeah, at Edgewater and stuff, sometimes walking with clients and clients will have that interaction. I'll, I'll diffuse it or whatever. Yeah. The clients are like, oh my gosh, how did you do that? Yeah. 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 People are like, oh, you can tell people no. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, almost every time I go, I have to step in and be like, no, no, thank you. We're training right now. Yeah. Um, and I think if anything, like it's good to, for clients to see us do that and feel more confident that like, oh, like that didn't go as badly as I thought it would go. I feel a little better about doing it next time. Absolutely. But for all you people out there with dogs that aren't uh, societally perfect, it's fine. It's okay. Don't worry yeah. about it. <laughs> They'll be okay. Do you You'll be okay. Ask your questions. Yeah. Love the dog that you have and get yes. a life that is going to be fulfilling all the time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Cool. And until next time. Until next time. Thanks for hanging out with us. Yes. Bye.